Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Hello. We are so excited to be joining you today, and as we are every week, but I think we're particularly excited about this case because we are starting um, an on ongoing coverage of a case that is just unfolding yeah. in our area, and we're really excited about it because we have some very... Um, specific insight on this case that most people that you may have heard from about it don't because of where we live and because of how we grew up. And so we're going to share a lot about that today. And we're going to get into the very beginnings of the story of the missing children, J.J. Ryan, no, (laughs) J.J. Vallow Mm -hmm. and Tylee Ryan. You've probably heard of their mother, Lori Vallow Daybell. Um, This case is all over the country right now. Of course, it's very hot in our community because we live where it is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're going to get into the basics of the missing children today. And then we're going to cover a lot of other elements of this case because you are going to find that there are a lot of dead adults around this story. And we're going to talk about all of them as well. And we're going to talk about how it all got here. (laughs) Yeah. Just as we can. Um, Yeah. Let's start with Katie, because you live in the town where this is occurring. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. In fact, I only live a few blocks from where those kids disappeared. Yes. And so that's a grouping of townhomes that is uh, not that far from me. And we've driven past a zillion times. And this is a small town, a small town. You know, our population, uh, not including the university here, is around 30,000. There's not a lot of people here. This town is predominantly Mormon, and you're going to hear that term quite a bit. And I want to preface this by saying we are not here to disrespect any religion or faith. We're really not. And so if you're offended by what we're saying, I apologize to you. However, we're just really here to give the facts of the case, our perspectives uh, based on our, our own uh, unique uh, ability to do so. And, you know, that's what we're here for. So, again, you know, if you're offended by our words around the, the use of the Mormon church or the LDS church, I do apologize, but I'm kind of sorry, not sorry. You know, we're not here to trash on any religion, but we are going to no. tell you what we know. But it is very much a part of the story and understanding some things about the the culture of that church, culture of that church and and the culture of kind of a spinoff of that church, which is Uh really what these folks are involved in. And a lot of people in our community are Um, just full disclosure. Katie and I grew up in Rexburg, Idaho. This is Mm -hmm. where this is all occurring. We were raised Mormons. Mm hmm. We are no longer Mormons, mm-hmm. um, but we were raised there. So we do uh-huh. know a lot about the culture and, and where some of this is coming from. And it's why we wanted to cover this story is because our perspective is um, maybe a little deeper than, than most people's because we, we know where kind of where this is all coming from culturally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just from, uh, you know, witnessing playing it out, witnessing this case playing out in <laughs> In our community, you know, and so and, and a case that is so unlike anything that happens. I live 25 oh miles goodness. away 
um, in a city of 60,000. And, you know, this kind of um, level of alleged criminal activity is very unusual where we live. Extremely, yeah. Um, Law enforcement and the courts really don't have any experience directly handling something this major. No, not at all. Not to diss them at all. It's just this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff doesn't happen here. And so that's why... One of the reasons why it's very interesting, but the main reason and the thing we want to stay the most focused on as as we cover mm-hmm. all of this over several episodes is that there are two children who are missing. Yeah. J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan are missing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to tell their story today Yeah, about when they ha- were last seen and, and what mm-hmm. is known about them and kind of what has unfolded. In, in our community, and then it moved to Hawaii for a while, and now it's back in our community again. Yeah, and, and you're going to hear us mention the deaths of lots of other people, That yeah. and you're going to go, oh, wait a minute, what? Yeah. We'll get there, not we'll in this one, there. but we'll but get every there. Every one of those stories has so many details to it that we cannot yeah. in any way cover this in one episode. No, no, absolutely so, not. let's get started with... The basic timeline, I say that like there's an actual basic timeline. There is not. This timeline is not basic at all. I want to credit Annie Cushing, who is Tylee Ryan's aunt. And this timeline, the timeline that I'm using came from her website. Now, we know a lot of the timeline because we were living a lot of it, just watching it on the news. But um, I wanted to get something that very clearly gave the dates and everything so that we can be really clear about it because it is a lot to take in. So analytics.com, it's Annie Cushing's blog website, is uh, where um, our timeline came from. And I just want to credit her because she is amazing. Mm -hmm. And she has really done a lot to advocate for her niece, Tylee. You will find that Tylee has very little family. And so you hear a lot of things mentioned about JJ, not as much about Tylee. There aren't that many people out there advocating for her. Her brother, Colby, and her aunt, Annie, Mm -hmm. really are the only people um, because her father has already passed. And we'll get to that in another story. (laughs) But anyway, so... Um, kudos to Annie Cushing and check out her website, analytics.com in her blog. You will find um, an exhaustive, exhaustive timeline of, of this case. So we are going to start with July 11th, 2019 on July 11th of 2019, Charles Vallow, who is Lori Vallow Daybell's former husband uh-huh. And the adoptive father of J.J. Vallow and the stepfather of Tyler Ryan, he was shot and killed by Alex Cox. Alex okay. Cox being Lori's brother. Yeah. This uh, shooting occurred around 8.30 a.m. in the morning. It was reported to the police by Alex Cox as a self-defense shooting. Uh-huh. And so there's a very bizarre story that unfolds. It's very inconsistent between the individual people as they were um, as they were interrogated by the police. Uh-huh. But roughly what they say happened is that there was a fight in the house with Charles. Charles had a baseball bat and went after Alex and Alex shot him in the chest and killed him. Uh-huh. Well, Tylee had a baseball bat. Right. Tylee had the bat. Dad got a hold of the bat. Yeah. Anyway. Um, So that's where this begins. Mm -hmm. His case, his death was ruled at the time Mm self-defense. And they really didn't question it at all. Uh, Strangely that they didn't question it, because if you go and you read the... um, the, the transcripts of the interrogations, the stories between family members 
do not line up at all. No. Some of them say that, you know, Lori and the kids weren't in the house when it happened, when in fact they actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's lots of, th- mm-hmm. there's lots of inconsistencies. None of it makes sense, but you know. Yeah. Well, I Lori think- also left the scene. Yeah. Left the she scene. She left the scene. As soon, apparently, you know, depending on what story, uh, you know, you, you adhere to. Yeah. After Alex shot Charles, she uh, loaded the kids in Charles's car. Yeah. Uh, they were estranged at the time. That that's important to know. He was living in a hotel, but yeah. uh, supposedly loaded the children in the car and dropped JJ off at school, and came back with Tylee. You know, twenty minutes or so later, after and the police were already there, and that's a piece that I think is really uh, an interesting note. The other thing to know about Charles Vallow is that Charles was a semi-pro baseball player at one point. Right. And Alex had the most minorest of wounds that was never actually even examined or treated Some, in any way. He was holding a cloth against the back of his head and had mm-hmm. a little bit of blood. Yeah, yeah. Very little actual injury. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of speculation from people who knew Charles and knew his physique and his skill set that had he credibly, seriously hit Alex in the head with a bat, he yeah. wouldn't have been getting up, you know. Right. Exactly. None, none, none of it tracks, and no. and none of the behavior of the people who were present tracks, and none of the stories no. track. Be that as it may, the police ruled his death at the time a uh, self defense killing. Yeah, and and moved on from it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that very same day, now Lori did not act sad in the least with the police. No. She was very upbeat and positive and bubbly and very strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neighbors of that same day report that the family hosted a pool party in the house where he had been shot that day. Mm-hmm. Um, they reported lots of people and loud music coming from the pool in the backyard. Uh huh. They actually threw a party. So strange, right? Okay. So then there's this all this strange stuff that happens with Lori uh, texting well, Charles's children. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. About. Uh, telling them that she texts them to tell them that their father has died, mm-hmm. which what? Yeah. He has uh, two adult, adult sons, yeah, two adult sons. Yeah. And when asked how he died, she says, we are still waiting for the Emmy report. So she lies. Of course she knows how he died. She was standing right there, yeah. but she wouldn't tell them. And then she just stops responding to their text messages. Doesn't mm-hmm. tell them anything. Uh, Don't even the- tell them what funeral home he's at. Yeah, nothing. The plan they had to figure that out themselves. Yeah. yeah, their their mother figured it out. Um by getting on the internet, they found that his death had been classified as a homicide and gets more Google searching finds that in fact it was um Alex Cox that had shot him. But she didn't tell them. Mm-mm. Um so her own then, son, Colby. In fact, yeah. her own yeah. son, Colby, he, she has an adult son, young adult son named Colby, yeah. uh, you know, who's been horrifically affected by this um, horrible so situation. So uh, she lied to him as well, actually, uh, by his own words, uh, in an interview he did with Justin Lum uh, yeah. from, from Arizona, Fox, Arizona, I think. Is Arizona. The, yeah. yeah, that uh, she told him the, the same thing, that they didn't know what happened. Yeah, and he didn't know till he got to the house, you know, in in concern that he had actually been murdered by or, or killed, you know, by his uncle. 
Yeah. And yeah. And Colby and Charles were really close. This was a huge blow to him to lose yeah. his stepdad. Yeah. And she just played game after game <clears throat> after game with family mm-hmm. So then um, on July 22nd, she tells her son JJ's school. Now, JJ was seven, is seven. JJ has, or is he eight now? Mm, I think he's seven now, I believe. Seven now. Okay. And he w- he went to a, a school for children with special needs. Um, JJ was adopted by Lori and Charles from a family member, and JJ has autism. And so when she went to sign him up for school, she told the school that he, that JJ's father had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Just bizarre things. So many bizarre things. So somewhere after that, the school learns that it was not suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and so they ask, they file a report with the Arizona Department of Child Safety. Like they're worried about this kid. Yeah. These, they're going, that's a weird, why would you lie about that? That's a strange thing. So um, then in August, August 9th of 2019, they, they had a service dog named Bailey for JJ. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a really big deal to get the dog. And, and the dog was very helpful to JJ. Mm-hmm. And on the 9th of August, Lori posts an ad trying to sell Bailey. Now, it turns out you can't sell service dogs. If you are done with a service dog, you have to give them back to the trainers so they can Uh be given to someone else. But in the ad, she says that his owner recently died and he needs a new one. Now, this dog was for JJ. Right. Right. But she says in the ad he'd recently died. So this -hmm. this starts a pattern of something. And tries to sell the dog for an exorbitant price, too. Yes. Like yeah. $2,500, correct? Yeah. 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 And the uh, organization that trained the dog got a hold of her and said, oh, yeah, you can't do that. If you don't want him anymore, you have to give him back and we'll give him to someone else. And that is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That made my heart feel good. At least that Bailey got rehomed to a good home where, you know, very sad for JJ, however, to lose his dog that was helping him a lot. Yeah. And- a strange thing to do to say that his owner had died because really yeah. his owner was little seven-year-old Jay. Yeah. So then on August 10th of 2019 is the last time that Kay Woodcock and her husband Larry, who are the they are the biological grandparents of JJ and then also his great aunt and uncle by adoption. Okay. So you're going to hear a lot about the Woodcocks. They are JJ's grandparents. They have been very connected to him and a part of his life, his whole life. And so the very last time that they actually hear from him is a 35 second long FaceTime call on August 10th. And he was rushed off the phone um, by his mother and then no more calls. No more connection at all. She just, they just go dark. Yeah. And Lori will not respond to anything. Yeah. Not responding to them at all. Um, JJ's not responding. No one's responding. And so they don't know what's going on. So on the 30th of August, Lori tells her son Colby that they are moving the next day. She doesn't tell them where they're going. Apparently he didn't ask. I don't think that they have a very good relationship or, you know, obviously they don't now, but I think he didn't. Yeah. And um, Colby also spoke to Tylee that day over FaceTime very briefly. Again, didn't get any details about where they were going. And that was the last time he talked to Tylee was Uh that. 
So on August 31st of 2019, Lori moves Tylee and JJ to Rexburg, Idaho. Katie's illustrious town. Yes. Okay. Um, illustrious. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> move, you know, coming from Arizona. Why, why did they come here in the first place? We'll tell you. Mm-hmm. So in late August, um, the Woodcocks call his school, the Life Academy, to find out if he's okay. Now, he's not even attending there anymore. Yeah. On September 3rd, she, Lori enrolls JJ at Kennedy Elementary School, which is an elementary in Rexburg. Mm-hmm. And he goes to school the first day on September 4th. This is really important because they really are the last, like, for sure source, official source to see JJ. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, on the 5th of September, she, Lori emails the Life Academy to withdraw him from that school. They've already moved to Idaho at this point. Mm-hmm. And she told the staff over the phone that she had accepted a position in California. Mm-hmm. And that his father had committed suicide. And that's why they. So both things not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, on September 6th, 6th, some neighbors take a picture of Tylee and JJ playing outside with another child in this uh, townhome complex where they live. Mm-hmm. This is the second to last time anyone sees Tylee. Yeah. And then what they what they had done is rented a townhome in a complex of other, you know, like really, you know, as you would imagine a townhome complex, you know, just mm-hmm. that are right next to each other, you know, stacked upon each other basically. And uh, there were a lot of kids in this neighborhood, lots of kids. And, and JJ played with some of the kids that lived in this yeah. townhome complex. So some of the time. neighbors got to know him a little bit and the kids yeah. got to know him a little bit because he was playing with the kids there. Yeah. So, and Tylee did not go to school. Supposedly, she had already got her GED. She was only 16 when they moved here, yeah. uh, turned 17 shortly after. But supposedly, she already had her GED. Lori had told some people that she was coming here to go to the local university, to Brigham Young University, Idaho, which mm-hmm. uh, proved to be not true at all. There was yeah. no application, enrollment, nothing, you know, nope. along Never those lines whatsoever. True. Yeah. 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 So on September 8th, this is the last day that there is any proof of seeing Tylee. Mm-hmm. So this is in a picture that came from Lori's um, iCloud account at the entrance of Yellowstone National Park. So we live about two hours from the west entrance of Yellowstone National Park. And that day, Tylee was at the park with her mother, Lori, her uncle, Alex, and her brother, JJ. And that is uh-huh. the last time anyone can find any record of mm-hmm. her being with her mother. Yeah. No, no witnesses. The police have looked and questioned people in their community and all over. And no one can find any proof of Tylee since that no. day. And some of the townhomes right around Lori's have like ring doorbells, ring you doorbell. know, yeah. and there is footage from neighbors of Lori, mm-hmm. of JJ, of Alex, of Lori's boyfriend, we'll get there, uh, of all of those people. So there are people seeing them. There is footage of them, nothing of Tylee. However, they're also, um, the FBI had also released or, or had said that they did have also camera footage, uh, webcam footage of Tylee going into Yellowstone Park in Chad Daybell's car. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh but never any footage of her leaving. Coming back out. Yes. Yeah. 
So we'll get to what the FBI is doing about that here. Yeah. Um, So on September 17th, Lori's neighbor catches the last known footage of JJ playing outside Mm -hmm. enough on a ring doorbell. Yeah. Someone did see him on the 18th of September though. So she hired, Lori hires a nanny Mm -hmm. to come and help take care of JJ. Um, She tells the nanny that her husband died of a heart attack in Arizona. She just lies constantly about what happened with him. Mm -hmm. Also is, this is who she told that her daughter is going to be YUI and that she doesn't live there with them. Uh The nanny never saw Tylee, but she did see JJ on that day, September mm-hmm. 18th. So then on September 23rd is the last day that JJ is seen at Kennedy Elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, September 24th, Lori disenrolls JJ from the school. Uh, she didn't have him with her at the time um, and indicating that she would uh, homeschool him. There have been no requests made for his school transcripts and he has not been seen since. So then the next, so on September 24th, also, uh, Lori lies to the babysitter who she had just hired to take care of this little boy uh-huh. uh, and says that she has gone to Hawaii and that the little boy has gone to stay with his grandparents and that her services will no longer be needed. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. Okay, so yeah, the, the the police found that she watched him on the 19th of September. She thought this was an ongoing gig that she was hired long term and then never went back. Yeah. So September 24th is also Tylee's 17th birthday. Yeah. No acknowledgement of her birthday in any way on social media. Can no. you imagine a 17-year-old girl with no acknowledgement of her birthday on social right. media? She had just gone completely dark on social media. Completely. And she had been pretty prolific on social media she was 17 you know yeah yeah. but just had fallen off the planet her friends had not spoken to her nobody heard anything from her her brother had reached out to her multiple times and hadn't had a response right just nothing nothing except on her birthday when colby did text her for her birthday and there was a brief text exchange Mm -hmm. with tylee's phone Mm -hmm. um he um, asked her to call him that night. She never did. He also said that the way she texted didn't sound like her at all. She didn't use any emojis. She wasn't using teenage shorthand. She wasn't doing any things that she normally did when she texted. He yeah. did not think it was her on yeah. the phone. Yeah. Okay. So enter to the story a man named Chad Daybell. Dun, dun, dun. Right. <laughs> Chad Daybell lives in... Well, he actually lives in Fremont County, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. he yeah. I mean, he lives in Rexburg-ish. Yeah. Yeah. But they're just kind of on the edge between Rexburg Out in the country. Yeah. County, and then on the edge between, yeah, off from Madison County to Fremont County, somewhere in there. So Chad is uh, a very prolific Mormon writer. Uh-huh. If you look him up on Amazon, don't And publisher. Him. Please. Yes. Yes. He's been publishing his own books on Amazon for a long time. Now mm-hmm. publishes other people's books. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, it's a lot of doomsday prophecy kinds of stuff. Um, it's also a lot of mediumship kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Chad has been known to call himself a prophet. Now mm-hmm. that's really important in this story right. because if you know anything about Mormons and if you don't, we're going to tell you, 
Mormons believe that the man that leads their church is a prophet. That is what they call him. He's the prophet and he speaks for God. God speaks directly Mm -hmm. through him. Mm -hmm. Um, Mormons believe there's just only one of those at a time. Yeah. And one one living prophet. One living prophet. Chad, however, does call himself a prophet. Now, Chad has had um, a near-death experience. He's had a lot of, um, you know, spiritual, paranormal experiences in his life, and a lot of his Mm -hmm. books are about those things. Um, But he is a part of a group called uh, Preparing the People. Mm -hmm. Preparing the People is, um, it's a, it's not specifically a Mormon group, although lots of people in it are Mormon, but it's a, it's a, it's a very extreme prepper group. Let's just say Uh it that way. They're, they're a prepper group. They're prepping for the apocalypse, the end of the world. Uh They, um, you know, do all kinds of, they have all these podcasts and events where you go and you learn how to prepare for the end of the world and how Uh you're going to, you know, survival kinds of things. Uh Right. Um, and it gets very extreme and we'll get into more of that. Not so much in this episode, but in another episode, we'll talk about some of their beliefs, but mm-hmm. in late September, Chad Daybell is having a conversation with a friend named Julie Rowe, and she's a part of this preparing the people group as well. And, um, in this conversation, they discuss that, that Chad for a while now has been seeing that his wife, Tammy is going to die. Mm-hmm. He's been predicting it for a while. And um, so Tammy helped run the publishing company that Chad had, as well as she uh-huh. was a school librarian. Uh-huh. And they had five children. Yes, they had five children, all adults uh-huh. now. Yeah. Um, and so they talk about that he's been predicting her death for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting conversation. So this is in late, this is in September, right? Okay. So in October, on October 2nd, Lori, we'll get back to Lori for a minute. She orders a wedding ring on Amazon. Uh-huh. This is 17 days before Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy Daybell, dies. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, also on that day, October 2nd, Lori is seen with a man who is who is believed to be Chad on surveillance at a storage unit that Lori has rented. So this is the first time that there's documented proof that the two of them are together and seeing each other. Now we know they knew each other through this preparing a people and mm-hmm. um, uh, preparing mm-hmm. the people, not the people. I said that wrong earlier. So we know that they have known each other. Some she's been on some podcasts he's been on anyway. Um, but now there's, there's some evidence that he stayed at their house in Arizona at one point, but that's, yes. That's all conversations for another show, but yeah, it, it is. But, but yeah, there's evidence that they were in contact with each other for a couple of years. It looks like at least a year before yeah. all of this went down. Yeah, but here we have. Okay, first of all, it's important to remember that by October, um, no one has seen Lori's children for a while. They neither of them have been seen since sometime in September, mm-hmm. and Lori is seen on surveillance at a storage unit with. Chad Daybell. Mm-hmm. So important. And in that uh, surveillance video, you can see him patting her on the ass. Yes, yes, you can. And so it's very much, you know, seems quite clear that they are probably having an affair. Yeah. Um, on which October- in the Mormon Church, oh, huge. having an affair is 
an enormous deal because like, Mormons marry. The same as being a murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mormons marry in their temples. I mean, in any relationship, this is bad. But right. in the LDS church, Mormons marry in their temples. They marry for time and all eternity. And the act of having an affair would cost you your membership in the church. For sure. If, if you were caught in an affair, it would cost you your membership in the church. It would likely cost you your marriage, you know, like like most relationships probably. Right. Um, but But it would be a huge stain. Yes. On your life and on your family, like Mormon affairs are, that's pretty shocking. Yes, it is. Not that they don't happen, but yeah. that's yeah, pretty you shocking. Say, it doesn't mean they don't happen, but it's a yeah. huge. And you're talking about a very small town where people know each other. Yeah. And, you know, so there was a lot of risk being taken. Mm-hmm. So about the same time, the browser history on um, Lori's computer shows her ordering a ring that she later is wearing as a wedding ring. Also mm-hmm. searching for wedding dresses. This is October mm-hmm. Okay. And so, male swim shorts, size XL. Yes. Yes. All things you might need for a Hawaiian wedding. We'll get there. <laughs> so then also early. <laughs> is your October, head spinning yet? Yeah. Because mine is. T- trust me. <laughs> okay. So early in October, Chad really urges Tammy to visit her parents in Springville, Utah, says that he's has a divine urging from ancestors to go see her parents. Uh-huh. So she does. Just a few days after she returns, she files a report with the Rexburg Police Department claiming that someone walked up to her and shot at her carrying what she perceived to be a paintball gun. And it was someone dressed all in black with their face mask on. Mm -hmm. Um, She posted about it on Facebook. I had this Mm -hmm. really strange experience, you know, and she perceived it was a paintball gun that they tried Uh to shoot her with. Yeah, this was... What you have to get, understand about that is that they live out in the country, very rural. Mm-hmm. It's this is if someone comes to your house, you know it. You know, right. yeah. I mean, there you are neighbors, but they're a, yeah, they're not super close. And so the idea that somebody would just be out there running around shooting at people with a paintball gun is really bizarre. She yeah. was getting home from a church event, uh, was getting some things out of her car, and heard, you know the the ting 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 or whatever you know the the sound yeah. and turned around and yes yeah, saw someone in her driveway shooting at her she asked them what they were doing and they ran yeah and 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 that's what happened but yeah she did actually file a police report on she that. did they came out looked around couldn't find anybody that fit the description I mean there wasn't a whole mm-hmm. lot they could do but they did try uh huh and, um, and no other neighbors or anyone reported seeing anything and no. she did post it on Facebook and her neighbors all saw that you know everyone you know, around her knew that that had happened, but nobody experienced that for themselves. Right. 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 Okay. So she files a police report. Then in mid October, a couple of times, Tylee Ryan's Venmo account gets used mm-hmm. to pay her brother Colby, um, small amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Now, just to be clear, it's well known that Lori used Tylee's Venmo account. Yeah. So this is not proof in any way that Tylee no. made those payments. But no, inter- Colby there, says there are all these things like some text messages, yeah. Venmo from her phone, sort of indicating it's her using it, right? Right. Colby says that his mother wasn't great with technology and couldn't figure Venmo out. And so Tylee had a Venmo account uh, that pulled from her mother's bank account. And so she 
it, whenever she wanted to send money to Colby, Kylie would do it from her account. So that was a very normal thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then on October 19th, Tammy Daybell, Chad Daybell's wife, dies in her mm-hmm. sleep. Yeah. According to husband Chad Daybell. Right. So he claims that she went to bed, she had a cough, and she just didn't wake up. Mm-hmm. Now she was 49. 49, no known significant health problems, nothing. Mm-hmm. She was training for a, a marathon when it happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. good health. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's believed to be natural causes and no autopsy is performed. Y- you got to know where we're, where we are. Okay. Right. The coroner in our counties is just somebody just a person. hired to be the coroner. They're not a doctor. No. They have no medical training. They don't have any medical training. So they really rely on the family and the police to determine mm-hmm. if something needs an autopsy. Family was very comfortable with not having one, which I would have uh, very strange. I, I, I guess I can't say family. Husband was very okay with not having one. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the investigators told East Idaho News that um, Chad didn't seem all that curious about how she died. They yeah. didn't really push it. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't do an autopsy. And on October 22nd, which is only three days after she died, mm-hmm. she was interned in, in Utah. Utah, where her parents live. Mm-hmm. Which if you guys have ever lost someone and had to transport their body across state lines, yeah. that's no small feat. I mean, these are things that take a little time to arrange. And boy, he had that on overdrive. He had right. her... It was like in, it was all prepped mm-hmm. before it happened. Mm-hmm. And had her in Utah and in the ground in a flash. Yeah, in three yeah. days. Mm-hmm. So there was a local memorial service for her on October 23rd. But that mm-hmm. was also strange. You know, her body was already gone and buried at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So October 25th comes along and a friend of Tylee's receives a text from her. But says, again, it didn't sound like her. She didn't mm-hmm. text like a 17-year-old kid. Yeah. Well, the friend texted Tylee. Yeah. And right. Said, and said, I miss you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And she texted something rather um, vague back, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, in late October, Colby starts kind of getting, he's questioning what's going on. Mm-hmm. It, He's had some weird communication with her. It's only been text. He starts trying to call and FaceTime her, but she doesn't answer. And um, he told Justin Loom, who is a Fox reporter in Arizona, who is um, mm-hmm. one of the reporters that's broken this case. Yeah. Um, and he said that that her text just didn't sound like her, uh, the way that she was texting back and forth. It didn't sound like her. And he really had questions um, then. But again, mm-hmm. he didn't even know where they were. Right. At this right. point, he, didn't, he knew they'd moved. He didn't know where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nor did the Woodcocks, who were also right. extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Least. Family members have no idea where the kids are, can't get a hold of them. So in late October and early November, there are several instances in which Lori and Chad lie about either the death or even the existence of Lori's kids. Mm-hmm. So there's been several witness testimonies um, about that. But basically what they were saying is that um, Lori and Chad told somebody that Lori's daughter had died a year before the death of her father. Yeah. And around that same time, Chad told another witness that Lori had no minor children. Mm -hmm. He had told his own children that she was an empty nester. Mm -hmm. 
And so this is getting passed around. People are saying she- well, and she and Chad told Chad's parents that yeah. she was an empty nester. Yes. Yeah. 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 But that so, was, of course, after they got married because none of these people knew of Lori at all. Right. Right. So, okay. So near the end of October, Chad receives $430,000 in life insurance from Tammy's death. Mm-hmm. Now, Which understand that for Chad, that's a ton of money. I mean, okay. for anyone, that's a ton of money, I hope. Yeah. But for Chad, he lived in a little shitty house. Yeah. He claimed that his publishing company made $30,000 a year. She was a school secretary or a school librarian, which that in itself, she was a school librarian yeah. and couldn't have made more than maybe $25,000, $30,000 a year. Right. And yet there was nearly a half a million dollars in life insurance on her, right. which is very odd to me. Yeah. yeah. Now, it reminds me of one thing that I missed. Um, the day after, the day after, okay, Chad, or Chad, no, sorry. Charles, get mixed up. Charles mm-hmm. Fallow died. Um, Lori starts the process to receive his $1 million life insurance policy mm-hmm. only to find that he had changed the beneficiary. And the beneficiary of that life insurance policy was his sister, Kay, mm-hmm. Val- er, Kay uh, Woodcock. Bella Kay Woodcock. Woodcock. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah. You know, there were definite yeah. attempts at getting a hold of some money and doing it quickly. Well, and Lori's friend, one of her friends had reported that she was extremely angry Yeah, because she did think that she was going to be receiving a million dollars. And when she didn't, said to the friend, what the hell am I supposed to do with these kids? I don't even have any money. Yeah. 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 And that I think that was Melanie Grigg. She said that too. That may not be correct. It was one Uh, of her her Arizona friends. One of her Arizona friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... You know, one thing you have to know about Lori and Charles is that they were having serious marital problems. At one point, Lori took off to Hawaii and took Tylee with her and left JJ with him for like mm-hmm. two months. Uh, he had filed for divorce at one point and then backed it off. Mm-hmm. At that time, he had told his attorney, she has told me she's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. If I turn up dead, you know who did it. Stuff like that was going on. Mm-hmm. We'll get way more into that later. So... um. Things are just getting scarier and scarier. And so there was a, a request in November for uh, from the Gilbert Police Department in Arizona for the Rexburg Police Department to start keeping an eye on Lori Vallow because there were people that were really questioning if her kids were okay. Mm-hmm. So, well, And there had been, and this is something we're really going to hit more in another episode, but there had been an attempt on the life of Lori Vallow's nephew or niece's husband, yeah. Brandon Boudreaux. And the vehicle that was believed to be used in that attempt was the Jeep that belonged to Charles Vallow that Tylee typically drove. Yep. So there were all of these things, you know, Gilbert police were really, you know, smelling a rat. They had called the Rexburg police and said, hey, uh, you know, we don't, we're not ready to move on this, but will you keep an eye on this person for us? And so that's kind of, that, that they, have, they were aware of her already. Yeah. yeah. They, at this point, weren't aware that her children were missing, but they were no. aware of her. So Detective Ray Hermosillo um, started intermittent surveillance on Lori in November. And as he was surveilling her in November, he never saw her children. He never saw JJ. He never saw Tylee. No. So on November 5th, okay, remember that October 19th is when Tammy Daybell died, right? Right. 
November 5th, Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell marry in Kauai, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. 17 days after Tammy Daybell died. Unexpected, supposedly, unexpectedly, I guess I will say. Yeah. Um, on 11-7, while they're in Kauai, they are talking to realtors there about moving there. Um, you know, just acting very strangely and also mm-hmm. saying that they don't have any children. They're looking to rent um, a condo or something, and it's just the two of them. They don't have any kids. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Chad's kids have been told that he is on a work trip. Yes. You know, they thought he was at a conference, you know, one of these preparing a people conferences or something like that. They had, they didn't know anything about Lori. All they knew is that their dad was off working. Yeah. No, no clue that any of this had happened. Uh, sometime in mid-November, they returned to Rexburg from their honeymoon in Kauai. And suddenly the bomb is dropped that dad has married. Mm-hmm. He told his kids that he met a widow in Hawaii and it was just love at first sight and they just got married. Yeah. Yeah. So many lies, you guys. So many lies. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And this is where, you know, he and, and Lori are telling his kids, his family, uh, his sister-in-laws, you know, various people that there are no children. Yeah. You know, that, that Tylee is dead, that they, she's an empty nester, all these, you know, various varied tales, but basically at the end of the day, no tie to any kids whatsoever. Yeah. So then on the 24th of November, they are seen at a storage unit, that same storage unit that Lori has, Mm -hmm. and they leave a box of belongings that belong to Tylee and JJ and a Mm -hmm. total of clothing in that storage Mm -hmm. unit. That storage unit is going to be important when we get Mm -hmm. into it. On the 25th of November, Kay Woodcock gets into Charles Vallow's email. Mm-hmm. She is just desperate to figure out what is going on here. Where are the kids? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Well, she knew that he used three different passwords. And so she just started trying them in his email until she got into it. Mm-hmm. That's when she found Amazon purchases. Lori was using his Amazon account to buy things mm-hmm. and got the address in Rexburg, figured out where they were. And so she called the police. And um, so she calls the Gilbert police, right? Yeah, because she'd already been in contact with them. Yeah, and then the Gilbert yeah. police call the Rexburg police and say, will you please go do a welfare check on these kids? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the grandparents of JJ are very worried. They haven't been able to reach them in several months. They don't know what's going on with these kids. So Tylee technically was not included in the welfare check because, again, very few people are looking for this girl or thinking about her. She's got her brother and her aunt. And so she sort of gets lumped in with things, but the, but the uh, welfare check was really about JJ. Mm-hmm. So um, they said, because she was 16 or 17, they weren't worried about her, which I think is really screwed up and not okay at all. But so they go, the, the Rexburg police go on November 26th to do a welfare check at Lori, Lori's house. And some really weird stuff happens. So I'm just going to share all of it because this is important. This is how these people are acting. So when uh-huh. they get there, um, Chad acts as though he doesn't really know Lori all that well. And he can't remember her phone number. Okay. They, yeah. They've been married for three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um, Alex, Lori's sister, tells them. Um, brother. Brother, I mean. 
Duh. <laughs> this is already confusing. Let's not. <laughs> okay. So Alex tells the detectives that JJ is with his grandma, Kay Woodcock, who, you know, is the person who called mm-hmm. in the water to begin with. Um, oh, her brother told them the wrong apartment number when they were trying to locate her. Said that mm-hmm. she was in apartment number 107, which mm-hmm. was vacant. She was actually in 175. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad kept trying to leave and drive away while they were at the apartment complex. Yeah. And the police wouldn't let him. Um, Chad told an investigator that he the last time he'd seen JJ was in apartment number 107 in October, and they lived in 175. Um, he finally did admit that he did know his wife's phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that she was in fact his wife. Yes. yes. And also it does prove right there that he did in fact know that JJ existed. Yeah. Yeah. So then Lori tells the detectives that JJ is with her friend, Melanie Gibb, who is a friend um, of theirs in Arizona, which turns out to be a lie. Um, she did ask Melanie Gibb to lie and say JJ was with her, and Melanie didn't, decided not to. Well, she that. and Chad reached out to Melanie Gibb and asked her to just, just well, I'll explain later. Just tell them that JJ's with you. No big deal. Yeah. Melanie did not do that. Yeah. She didn't, but she waited 10 days to tell the police that she had been asked to lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she is cooperating now. Um mm-hmm. Okay, so remember, the kids haven't been seen since September, but the police are not notified they're missing until the end of November. So months have gone by when no one knew where these kids were. So on November 27th, the law enforcement law enforcement um, searches the townhouse uh-huh. and discovers that they have vacated the home. So the police do the welfare check on the 26th. By the 27th, they are gone. And witnesses say that the kids were not with them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, so on also the 27th of November, they search Lori's storage unit. That's where they get all this footage and they find the kids, bikes, toys, photo albums, winter clothes, a blanket with JJ's initials. Yeah. A Jersey with Mm -hmm. Ryan's name on it. Photo blankets made from pictures of Tylee and JJ from infancy. Mm -hmm. Um, all of their things, things that you would expect to have kids to have with them were in the storage unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they did not find was Tylee's phone. Nope, they didn't. But we'll get to that. We will, yeah. Uh, the police also sent detectives to Colby Ryan's house to see if he knew what was going on. This was the first that he knew that the kids were missing, and this is the first mm-hmm. that he knew where they were. Yep. yep. And um, November 27th is also the date that the Rexburg Police Department requested assistance from the FBI in finding the uh-huh. kids because missing children's. Uh, missing children are always investigated by the FBI. And so this is the first time, but these kids have been missing for three months before this happens, you know, for two months. Well, When the police came to Colby's house, he did reach out to his mother yet again and said, the police are here looking for the kids. What the hell is going on? And she finally responded. Lo and behold, she'd been ignoring him for months, responded and said, Oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll explain later. And that is the last thing he ever heard from her. Yeah. Totally, completely blew her off. So on December 1st, 2019, Lori and Chad flew from LA to Kauai. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as they know, up until 
what we'll get to later that happened in February, they stayed there. There was absolutely no indication that they flew with children. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things that you cannot hide is if you fly, you know, mm -hmm. that is, right. that is federal information that can be looked at by anybody and, and you cannot fly mm -hmm. without identification, you know, no right. proof at all that they left with the kids. No, no, just them, so, just them. All the while as well, uh, both children were receiving social security. Uh, they both were receiving death benefits because both kids have dead dads. Right. And uh, the account, particularly for Tylee, that her money was being deposited into was being consistently used in yep. Hawaii. Yep. Yeah. So obviously, you know, I mean, they'll be able to add fraud to her charges. Well, it's important because she was taking that money and using it. Uh, there's absolutely no evidence or, or that, that we know of that, that's been released. And, and the police have released a lot of info on this case because, and the FBI have, because they're trying to get the public's help to help to figure out where the hell are these kids. But, you know, because if you... What is the old thing? You know, if you see something, say something. Surely someone knows something. Anyway, it's important because never at any point has she given money to someone else. There's absolutely no evidence that the money she's receiving for these children's care is being passed along to the person who's caring for them. Right. She's just been stockpiling it. It's just hers. Yeah, which is not what Social Security death benefits are for at all. They are no. themselves. And so, yeah. yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. So on about December 10th, Lori and Chad move into a condo in the villas in the Prince community in Princeville, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, also oh, on December 11th, Tammy Daybell's body is exhumed. Yes. Because, hey, turns out maybe this wasn't so straightforward. Now, we still do not have the autopsy results. No. Of her. Of that. Right. Day. That's As of this that. airing, it is April 5th. Yeah. And we still don't have that. No, but um, it's because, uh, or at least how it's been explained to the public through, uh, you know, forensic people is because she was, uh, she had been embalmed. And so an autopsy and all the toxicology and all of those things take a lot longer and are a lot more complicated with an exhumed body. And so apparently these things take a lot of time. This well, is not CSI. <laughs> and if they are building a case and they, they may not tell anybody until mm -hmm. they're yeah. ready, you know? Mm -hmm. um, okay. So also December 12th, Lori's brother, Alex Cox dies of suspicious causes in Gilbert, Arizona. Yes. That case is still open and the uh, autopsy results have not been released on that case right. either. 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 But they they have ruled that a suspicious death, which is important because um, it is. <laughs> yeah. So then on December 21st, this is the first time that the Rexburg Police Department calls Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell persons of interest in the disappearance of Tylee Ryan and J.J. Vallow. Mm -hmm. So finally, we're calling this a missing children's case three months after these kids went missing. And I, when this came out in our community, there was outrage. People were pissed. Mm -hmm. Why did it take so long? But if you, you know, if you listen to this timeline, you know why mm -hmm. it took so long. Yeah. Um, so that is, it, it's just craziness. All of this mm -hmm. is craziness. Um, yeah. 
let's see. So on the 30th of of December, the Rexburg PD, they issue a press release and they say that the children are not with Lori and Charles in um, Hawaii or Chad. God, so many names. (laughs) And that they have indication information indicating that Lori knows either the location of the children or what has happened to them. So mm-hmm. things really start heating up. Uh, this is when the FBI gets involved. They search Chad and Tammy's former home. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, understand, a whole team of FBI agents crashing a home in this community was huge news. Never. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And interestingly, they dug around in the snow. I mean, understand that where we live and we had a particularly hard winter, there were probably a few feet of snow on his yard and they were out there with sensitive equipment and shovels digging around, looking obviously for something around the yard, the driveway, looking for bullet casings. That's, you know, really makes you wonder, you know, because she was shot by a paintball gun. You know, which, well, you know, more and more feels like a hit. Yeah. They found that paintball gun in that house. Yeah. And it's not a paintball gun. It is a gun with a silencer. Yeah. She just thought it looked like a paintball gun. If you haven't had a lot of experience with guns, you know. it. Yeah. So they have that, but we don't know, you know. They did from that house seize hundreds of pieces of evidence. They did. They did. And, and you know, um, I think law enforcement is holding a lot of things very tight to the chest right now. And that's okay. Yeah. Because well, they're still building their case against Chad. They are. Well, and, and Lori too, really. And Lori. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to, okay. On the 25th of January, uh, law enforcement in Kauai, Hawaii, serve Lori with a child protection order from the Madison County Prosecutor's Office in Rexburg. So basically Mm -hmm. they say you have to produce Tylee and JJ in person to the Idaho Mm -hmm. Department of Health and Welfare or the police department by January 30th. So in in Rexburg. In Rexburg. So they give her five days to produce her Mm -hmm. children in person. Now that was an interesting day. Um, Mm -hmm. There was tons of media in town. The Woodcock Mm -hmm. grandparents were in town. Mm -hmm. Lots of things happened. What did not happen is Lori did not show up and produce her children. No, she did not at all. And they had procured an attorney. Lori and Chad had procured an attorney uh, like the end of December who had put out a statement that basically this was a, you know, basically trying to allude to this being a child custody case that would be sorted out in due time. Yes. Um, anyway, Which, he was nowhere to be found. He couldn't be contacted. He was supposedly he was out, of out of town. Yeah. yeah. No During one. that time. It completely uh, there was, defied that order. Yeah. There was a press conference that day by the end of the day that she was supposed to show up with the kids at yeah. the local newspaper office And my daughter was actually, she's the editor of her school newspaper, and she was able, actually invited to attend that press conference. And so, uh, you know, she's there with, you know, people from, like, from CNN and Dateline and, you know, like, news from all over the country that are, were there to see her show up with those kids. She didn't. Uh, Kay Woodcock did a press, you know, an interview there with all of them, a press conference, and her poor husband was so stressed and so overworked by the end of that day that he had ended up staying at the hotel and wasn't a part of the the press conference because he was just ill, ill. Yeah. These are older people and it's taken an, an enormous toll on them. But, uh, you know, basically Woodcocks were there and ready. 
Mm-hmm. Well, there and ready. They were in the process of, or have been in the process of seeking legal guardianship of JJ. Yes. If he is an, now, an, yes. Emergency okay. legal guardianship. Yeah. So they didn't show up. Uh, law enforcement in Hawaii served them with a search warrant and mm-hmm. search their car and search a bunch of stuff. What they find are some interesting things. They find mm-hmm. birth certificates for both children. Mm-hmm. Um, they find Tylee's financial transaction card, so the card where her money is going. They find mm-hmm. JJ's iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, they find JJ's school registration receipts from Kennedy Elementary in Rexburg. Mm-hmm. They find an enormous bag of cash. Yes, they do. An enormous that bag. they're packing around with them. Yeah. 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 They, and they find Tylee's cell phone. Mm-hmm. Lori had Tylee's cell Lori phone there. Tylee's cell phone. So we know that none of those communications after mid-September or September 8th, which is the last time she's for sure been seen, were from her because Lori had them, had the phone. So they also search their condo. They find there are two beach chairs in the garage. There are two exercise mats. There are two beach towels. There are no items in the garage or combo or condo that appear to belong to any children. There was no evidence of a seven-year-old boy, clothing, toys, books, his medication, nothing. And there was a second room in the condo that had no signs of being lived in. So there was no indication at all that the children had ever been at this house. Well, and in fact, JJ's medication had been left at the house that they fled in Rexburg. Yeah, but, you know, the, the whole medication thing, I think, is really misleading because it was not, the last time it was filled was in January of 2019. And, ah. and people call it uh, an autism medication. No, it isn't. It's it, it's risperdal, it's risperdal, isn't it? Yeah. Risperdal, which is used in, lo- it's, it's actually an antipsychotic, but it's used mm-hmm. in low doses as a behavioral management medication. He hadn't been on okay. it. Okay. So he'd not really been months. taking it. No. Okay. He hadn't been taking well, that's good to know. There was a lot of implication that, oh, he's not getting his medication. That's dangerous. And no, it, it actually isn't. This is a behavioral management med, and they apparently mm-hmm. took off from it in January. So, okay. Yeah. Weird that she moved it with her. So maybe she had it just in case she needed it. And maybe they were using it as a PRN, like as an as needed, if he yeah. gets really upset, you know, kind of thing to calm him, which it would do. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But that I find that part interesting. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. So after that search, they move to uh, the Kauai Beach Resort. So they move out of the condo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some um, implication that that's because the landlord was like, I don't want any of this. Get out of my house. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because they were renting that condo month to month. Yes. Yeah. And my understanding is that the rent on that condo was $3,000 a month. It was, Yeah. Yeah. They have this giant bag of cash so that they obviously can move around and do things they want to do and pay everything in cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, speculated, of course, that that is the um, money from the uh, mm-hmm. insurance on Tammy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did have a bank account. Chad did have a bank account in Hawaii. Yes. That was late, later uh, you know, verified that he did open a bank account in Hawaii. Uh, interestingly, so, you know, you guys know these guys are Mormon, okay? There is, it's believed that Chad was excommunicated from the Mormon church in November or December, but that's not been a hundred percent proven, but it has, but it has it been, it's, it's one of those that's been all around that, that he was, um, excommunicated for calling himself a prophet. So mm-hmm. you know, there can only be one guys. So, mm-hmm. well, witnesses are saying that by his own mouth, he's saying that he's been excommunicated. Okay. And that's what I had thought too. But then there was some people who said that he removed himself. I don't know. Lots of stuff. Anyway. 
So he's no longer on the records. But in early February, Lori is on the records and she had her mm-hmm. church records transferred to a Mormon church in Kauai. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'd been going to church. Yes. And Tylee and JJ's names were not included in the record. And um, as with most churches, parents' names usually include their children's names. And she didn't transfer the kids' records. Right. Uh, let's see. That's good. So they started attending church there in February, which was a big thing. People were all wound up about that and, and was Chad excommunicated and, you know, people asking them where their children were and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that was, well, yeah, the people in Kauai became quite diligent. Yes, they did. You know, yeah. suddenly now, not are we just seeing all the stuff that's happening in Rexburg, but now mm-hmm. we're seeing in Facebook groups and various things, mm-hmm. all the stuff that's going on over there. People are keeping a yeah. close eye on these two. Mm-hmm. There are signs along roadways that say, where are the children? Yeah. And people are pretty, uh, they're diligent in Kauai. Yes. As well. Very, yeah. very concerned about, um, you know, where are these kids and what are they doing in their community? Yeah. So then things really start stepping up. Um, the news here published surveillance footage of the self-storage unit um, mm-hmm. and showing that, hey, you know, Chad was around before his wife died and those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. On the 10th of February is when the law, enfor- law enforcement finally say that they did find Tylee's phone with her mother in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so we all know that all of that stuff that happened on her phone couldn't possibly, um, you know, be real uh, because, you know, we know that she didn't have her phone. Mm-hmm. Um, on the 12th of February, Keith Morrison of Dateline. So Dateline has already covered this case and I'm sure will. Oh yeah. But he is tipped off that Lori and Chad had packed their bags and they were heading to Mexico. Um, they checked out of the Kauai Marriott resort where they had been staying. Mm-hmm. They were seen in Kauai boarding a plane. Now the thing is they are just being followed everywhere yeah. and, and not just by the police, but by Everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. are all over this. Yeah. So, um, and there were plain clothes police, yeah, follow- and FBI agents following them as well. But yeah, everybody had peepers on them. There were constantly pictures on social media and videos of, you know, saw these two at the supermarket today, saw these two at the airport, saw these two on the beach. Yeah. 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 So they weren't getting out of there. Because people were following them everywhere. So mm-hmm. finally on February 18th, the Madison County Prosecuting Attorney's Office submitted a criminal complaint against Lori. Two felony counts of desertion and non-supportive dependent children, mm-hmm. resisting or obstructing officers, criminal solicitation to commit a crime, and contempt of court. Mm-hmm. So on the 20th of February, Lori was arrested in Kauai and taken into custody. Mm-hmm. And held on a $5 million bond pending extradition to Idaho. Mm-hmm. That bond was set by the judge here in Idaho. And mm-hmm. uh, I've never seen a $5 million bond in Idaho no. in my life. It was exorbitantly high because if she bonded out in Hawaii, they wouldn't have been able to extradite her. Yeah. You know, they she would have been sure. in the wind. No. They wanted to make sure they could extradite. And so they set, yeah, this, this, you know, incredibly high bond, especially for the charges. It's a ridiculously high bond, but there was a reason behind it. Right. Trying to, you know, create enough space to be able to get her 
extradited because that in itself apparently takes a fair amount of work. It is. It's and it did. Deal. It's yeah. a huge deal. So she has her first court hearing on the 21st of February and her attorney requests that her bail get reduced to $10,000. And you could just pretty much hear the judge laugh from Hawaii to Idaho. <laughs> Over that one, uh, Judge Kathleen Watanabe, and she mm-hmm. kept the bail at $5 million. Mm-hmm. And oh, She's the real MVP here. You know, oh, what yeah. a hero. She kept her in jail. They mm-hmm. asked for an extradition hearing. Um, you know, she wanted her right for that. Which my understanding is, well, she yeah, she had indicated that she was going to fight extradition. And my understanding of that is that fighting extradition is extremely rare and that the only time somebody typically would fight extradition is if in the case of a, uh, it's not actually, you're not the person they were looking for, you know, like fighting extradition is a very rare thing. It's very rarely, rarely successful. And so the fact that they indicated in that bail hearing that they were going to fight extradition was uh, not necessarily surprising because she was so freaking defiant, but it was, it was laughable, you know, yeah. because basically to fight extradition, you have to prove that you're not the person they're looking for. Well, and they did some weird stuff with, well, her last name isn't Daybell, it's Vallow. And they, you know, they tried to pull yeah. some, some fast ones yeah. there. It didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. On the 26th of February, she asks for a, makes a second request to lower bond. The judge denies it again. And so at that point, she waives her extradition hearing so that she will return to Idaho to face charges. Yeah. So then, of course, it was everybody's, you know, when is she coming back? You know, what's going to happen? And in the meantime, Chad returns to Rexburg. Mm-hmm. And goes to a baby blessing for his son rubbing shoulders with neighbors, acting like everything is fine and just telling everyone, oh, this is just a nasty custody case that's just going to get ironed out. It's just no big deal. That's what he's told everyone here. A nasty custody case. Well, if that's the case, where the hell are these children? Right. No? Um, A a nasty custody case with who? The Vallows? Or the Woodcocks are who they're trying to, uh, you know... Well, uh, you know, it was only their own stupid behavior that's given the Woodcocks an opening at all because right. they would not have had any rights at all. But no. given the situation and the risk to the child, now they do. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, she arrives in Rexburg on mm-hmm. uh, March 5th mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, huge fanfare from the, from the news. It was Oh, yeah. Hard. The way they brought her here was pretty interesting. They flew from Kauai to Los Angeles. From Los Angeles to Boise, Idaho, put her on a private plane in Boise, flew her into the Rexburg Airport, which is not necessarily an airport. It's not a commercial airport. It's a private airport that it, well, it is actually a municipal airport, but anyway, it's, it's, it's tiny. Imagine tiny, you know, tiny town, flew her there and sent a decoy vehicle to the jail, stood right. And I was there. And this is why I know this, because I was helping my reporter daughter get her story and get her pictures. This van shows up. It pulls into the garage doors at the jail, which is how they take people into the jail there. A representative from the jail comes out and says right to our faces as reporters, yes, that is Lori. Yep, she's here. Everyone asking the same question, is that her? Yes, that's her. Uh, 
that was all over the news. You might have seen it. It was a white van, you know, that pulled into. Well, then later that night, the Rexburg police leaked to, you know, a few people that she wasn't in that van, that they had put her in a gray SUV and pulled her in a different door and that that was a complete decoy. That's important because A, they lied to the press's faces in a, in a really bold way. They, and if you want to look at it from the sense of them trying to keep Lori safe and make sure they got her from point A to point B, I can honor that. But there were about 20 people there. You're not, we're not talking about an enormous crowd. There were about 20 people there, reporters and camera oh, people. For Idaho, it. that is an enormous Mm -hmm. But the police department, like the whole area has been, um, had their ire up a little about the press being here. Uh, this is kind of one of those news here. Right. And this is a town that's pretty secretive, you know, pretty, uh, low key. They don't want to be in the press and she's brought all of that here. But anyway, that was a bit of a, that was a consternation that they lied to the press as a problem. And the fact that essentially what they did was try to put some doubt in the press, yeah. which just really not cool, but that's kind of an aside to the rest of it. But anyway, that was an odd thing that happened. It was, it was, it was. Yeah. So then she goes before uh, judge Farron Eddins who lowers her bail from 5 million to 1 million. They again asked for 10 million or for 10,000 did not even mm -hmm. no way got it. Yeah. 10,000. Yeah. 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now she had three attorneys at this point and they weren't the ones that the guy that they'd hired before. Yeah. These were attorneys from Boise. These were uh, two people, Edwina Eldcox and, uh, Ooh, I can't think of her partner's name. They were, they're considered to be like the best uh, criminal attorneys in the state. And that's who showed up with her at court that first day is these three high dollar, high power attorneys that we can only speculate that Chad was paying for out of his life insurance money because Lori doesn't have any money. No. Everything she has essentially is Chad's. Yeah. So about this time is when the Madison County prosecutor reveals that she has in fact been continuing to receive social security benefits for both kids. That's important. That's going to be important later. Um, now, interestingly, Lori has um, fired her attorneys. Is she on her third set now? Here in Idaho, she just keeps firing her attorneys um, when they don't get her what she wants. Uh, well, her second, she did have a different attorney in Hawaii. Right. And so she's fired her attorneys here at least twice. Well, two of them. Two of them. Yeah. She's kept the third, uh, the means guy, yeah, is her current, which is really weird, you guys, because he's not a criminal attorney. No. Yeah. None of it. It's, it's very, he's like a contract attorney. It's really weird that he'd be the one on this case, but Mark Means is his name, and that's all she's got currently. Yep. Um, she didn't fire them, though. They fired themselves. Oh, that's right. They, those first two. Those first two. They, the, the criminal justice attorneys, the, the big wigs, they fired themselves. Yeah. Oh, and then the judge, they, so the judge has now been recused, and they've got a mm -hmm. new judge. Mm -hmm. uh, he he recused himself, uh, mm -hmm. Judge Eddins. So now it's Michelle yeah. Radford Mallard is the judge, and the pre yeah. preliminary hearing is May seventh and eighth. Now, interestingly, one of the things that's been very interesting going around our area right now—well, two things: the FBI are here, 
mm-hmm. uh, which is not a regular thing for us at all. And they are no. preparing as soon as the snow melts enough to do a search of Yellowstone Park for Tyler. Right, right. I cannot. But Yellowstone that. Park, I don't know what their snowpack was this year, oh. but I know last year it was about 12 feet. Yeah. And we had more snow this year. Yeah. I mean, there will there are places in Yellowstone that won't be clear of snow until June. Yes. You know, it's yeah. this is you have to understand what we're talking about here. These are highly mountainous, high elevation areas that, you know, people keep asking me, why aren't the FBI in Yellowstone? To look at what? Yeah. They've got to wait for the snow to go down, but they, they literally. The cob concern though with Yellowstone. Yes. Is that Yellowstone is full of thermal, geothermal activity. And there are many hot pots there uh, and hot pools that are so hot and so acidic that like a couple of years ago, a guy commit suicide up there by stepping off into one of those pools. Yeah. They tried to search for him, but I mean, really, there's nothing you can do. No. By morning, the only thing that was left of that guy in that pool was his wallet. His entire body had dissolved overnight. Yes. That's what we're talking about. There are cakes up there galore. place to get rid of a body. Yeah. The other thing and I thought about awfully is predation. I mean, oh, yeah. It's Yellowstone is full of bears, full of wolves. Any way you slice it, it's very hard for me to see that they could ever recover anything in Yellowstone. But they are try. Yeah, I'm very curious about Chad's search, his browser history. Mm -hmm. I I know that the FBI took a lot of electronics from his home. I'm very curious about his browser history and whether he did any searches about Yellowstone, about, you know, those pools, you know, just anything that would indicate you know, trying to learn which one of those pools would dissolve a body. He would have to know. That was big news around here when it happened. Right. Well, this guy was in Yellowstone with his sister, killed himself right in front of her, yeah. just stepped off. Yeah. And it was an awful thing. And so I, there's this big part of me that goes, Chad freaking knew. Well, but Chad also was a sexton. Here anyway. Yeah, you know, totally. To, because when you grow up around Yellowstone, you know things about the danger there. Yeah. But people don't necessarily yeah. Yeah, but one of the creepy things about Chad is that he has been a sexton in multiple cemeteries. He has a lot of experience with burying bodies. Yeah. He does. Which doesn't make me feel good. No, it doesn't me either. Um, So the other interesting thing that's been going on uh, for a while now is that um, Lori has tried desperately to bond out and has been unsuccessful. Now a million dollar bond is a huge bond for our area. Yeah. And she clearly likes to take off when the police are looking into her. And so no bondsman has been willing to take that on. No. And no, you know, Chad has been unable to come up with, you know, a million dollars in cash and property to right. uh, bond her out. And so she is right. still sitting in the Madison County jail mm-hmm. awaiting her preliminary hearing in May. Yeah. So the way it would work is if she had found a bail bondsman that would sign on her, that would take her on. And what's happened is many have come and talked to her, but basically what they've all said is unless you can prove to us that those kids are safe and alive somewhere, we can't bond on you. You're not worth the risk because you're going to have more charges coming. And that's been the biggest concern is, are there more charges coming? Because if there are, we can't bail you out. And yeah, there are more charges coming. Yeah. And so 
she really thought she was going to bond out. She really did. I believe that she really did. But here's what it would have taken. Oh, so arrogant. This is what it would have taken from Chad. In order to bond out, they would have had to pay a bail bondsman somewhere between 10 and 15% of the bond, which would have been somewhere between $100,000 and $150,000. That is not money you get back. That would have been a payment. I mean, chew on that for a minute. Yeah. $150,000 in yeah. payment to bail her out. And he was willing to do it. He oh, was trying yeah. to do it. You know, with Tammy's life insurance money. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it just hasn't happened. They haven't found anybody. It's just not going to happen. It's just not. She's going to... Now, they have requested yet another bond reduction with the new judge. They're going to try Michelle Radford out and see if she'll, you know, take the bait. Uh, you know, so it's possible in this first hearing here in this first part of May that she may reduce that bond enough that they could get someone to bond her out. But honestly, I mean, it would have to be that, you know, 10 to 50, 10 to 50,000 number that they tried for in the first place. Yeah. Because they're going to have to pay it in cash. Now, rumors yeah. are that Chad has been beating the bushes around here. Right. To everyone he knows, his family, people that follow him, you know, follow him as the prophet mm -hmm. that he believes he is, um, to try and get them to put their property up on as collateral to try to get her bailed out. But obviously it has not worked. A million dollars around here is a huge is, or a million dollars in property around here is an enormous amount of money. You know, in other places, I know your homes are like, you know, 1,500 square feet and they sold for $400,000. I get it. But here, that isn't the case at all. No, and it's just, it's, it's a, when I was thinking about what would I do if I had to raise a million dollars? I have no idea. Not a clue. I have no idea. No. Yeah. It's it, it's an enormous amount of money, which anywhere it is, but here particularly, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's where we sit with this. And of course, we are going to go into all of the side stories, all of the mm -hmm. uh, people who have died throughout this process. But we wanted to focus first on the um, case of the missing kids because it really is the most important part of this. These children are still missing. Now, here's the thing. If she knew where her kids were and could produce them, do you really think that she would have gone through all of this extradited? All? I think she would have gone through some of this. I believe she's extremely ill. I believe that she has a real penchant for being the center of attention and for being in court. And I think she's eating all of this attention up with a spoon. So there's part of me that goes, at least for a while, yes. Yeah. But at this point by now, this if she far. could have produced the kids, I believe that she would have. Yeah. I want to end with something that is, we're going to get into her beliefs heavier oh, in yeah. other episodes. But I want to end with something that I feel like is really important for you to understand. Mm -hmm. Lori believes that the world is going to end on July 22nd, 2020. Literally believes that. Mm -hmm. um, so... That that will be the returning of Christ. Yes, that that yeah. will be the returning of Christ. She believes, and this has been documented by multiple people, and we'll get back to it, that she is a god. Mm -hmm. And so here's here's a statement that has come from, I'm not sure exactly where, but I've seen, I've read this several times about her beliefs. As a mm -hmm. god, her mission was to carry out the work of the 144,000 at Christ's second coming. That mm -hmm. second coming was imminent. According to Lori, Jesus was headed to earth in July 2020. 
Um, and if Charles got in the way of that mission, Lori would murder him. And so that has been mm -hmm. that said by her. That statement was in Charles's divorce. Uh, That's right. In the divorce application or yeah, in his divorce paperwork that has been provided by his attorneys. There's a similar statement to that as well from Ian Pulowski, yes, who is Lori's uh, niece's husband, and we'll get into Ian a lot more later on. Yeah. Ian may be the real MVP of this story, uh, yeah, with everything that he's provided. It really is very interesting, the and we'll get there in a few episodes. But, uh, but yes, she she believes that she is a god, which makes her extremely dangerous. Yeah. Because she, there is no accountability for what she does because she believes that she's taking the uh, marching orders from, you know, the big God and she's carrying them out and doing what she's supposed to do. So everything that she's done is okay. Nothing she's yeah. done is wrong. And she also owes no one an explanation. And that is what is so scary about where are her children. Now, I'm going to say this because I've seen a lot of speculation. A lot of people have asked both of us, yes. what is your psychic read on this case? And here's the answer. None yet. Yeah. And here's why. Yeah. We will always, always do our best to uphold an ethical obligation in our industry. And, and you're, you don't always see that in any industry. But in ours... There are ethics that need to and should be adhered to. And this is an ongoing case. There are family members that are following this case in every, you know, platform. We will never make a public speculation on whether or not we think the kids are alive at this point because it wouldn't be ethical to do so. It's not going to happen. No. We both have our own personal opinions. If, you know, a family member spoke to us privately, we might let them know what we are thinking about. But this isn't the time or the place no. For psychics to jump up on their soapbox and use this as an opportunity to uh, to read this too deeply, you know. And we're gonna we're reporting on this case, and we we do we'll share some of the stuff that's coming through to us about other family members. But when it comes to the kids, if we have something valuable to offer, it's not going to be here. And I hope you guys understand why. Yeah. Yeah, we have been met with uh, similar situations over the years, mm -hmm. and we choose not to do that to family members mm -hmm. who really do believe in ethics. And, you know, you'll hear that there are other people doing it. We're not going to. Mm -hmm. no. um, you know, the, the I like to take the FBI stance, which is that a child is always alive. A missing child is always alive until they're found. Yeah. And, and that, well, why would we give up on these kids? Yeah, We're not giving up. Why would we take any shred of hope away from family members? Why would we take any shred of hope away from the community? Let's hold hope. It is my greatest hope and wish that these kids are found alive and okay. My mm -hmm. greatest hope and wish. But through yeah. all of this insanity, somehow they have managed to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that is the end of the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the beginning. that's a big unpacking. Yeah, if you want to know more, um, go to AnnieLytics.com because she's got, and we're going to go through a lot of it, but she's mm -hmm. got the the full timeline. It's a great place to look. And, and Annie mm -hmm. is just really a credit to her niece. I really appreciate what she's yep. doing. Um, she's a total rock star for Tylee. She yeah. totally is. And so check that out. We will be coming back to you with more episodes about more of the story. And of course, updating as yep. case updates, because yes. preliminary hearing is in May. We'll be able to share more with you about that, but we will spin off into the side stories about the various yeah. people who had well, we'll died throughout this process. Yeah. We'll start out by taking an enormous step backwards 
to Tylee's dad, Joseph Ryan, who died in 2018, to... Lori's divorce with him and forward, I think, is probably where we go now. I think so. (laughs) And then we'll we'll try to follow some kind of a timeline if we can. It's a spider web for sure. But it is. It is. But it's an important case. Um, We feel like the more attention it gets, the better um, for the benefit of these children. You know, Um, you know, where are Tyler and JJ? That's the question. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today here on True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.